I'm Rob. And I'm Michelle. And this is Two Two Librarians librarians Walk Into a Shelf. Well, we're into March now, and March is Women's History Month. Are you checking the calendar to make sure it really is March? I, I am. Okay, it is. Okay, thanks. Thanks for fact-checking me on that. Don't want any fake news. No fake news here. No fake news. No room for that. So I have a little history about Women Women's History Month. Is that too meta? <laughs> it just, just took me a moment there. I'm like, whoa, history on history. This is, this is turning out to be interesting already. <laughs> Since um, 1995. Presidents have issued a series of annual proclamations designating the month of March as Women's History Month. These proclamations celebrate the contributions of women, uh, the, the contributions women have made to the United States, and recognize the specific achievements women have made over the course of American history and the world. So why might we need Women's History Month? There are so many women throughout history that never got their stories written despite making huge contributions to society at large. Women weren't allowed a seat at the table for a long, long time. They had no input in what history got written and whose achievements were celebrated. And having a celebration of the accomplishments and influence that women have had throughout history helps girls see all of the things that women can do despite being erased from the narrative. The knowledge that something is possible is an incredible boost to the dreams and hopes one might have for their own future And learning about the greatness of other women who have contributed their own gifts in so many ways to the world keeps young women dreaming of their own contributions. So I think it's important. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, just like Black History Month is important, we have left so many stories out of the historical narrative for so long. I think we need not to just think about those stories in that month, of course. We need to think about them all the time, but having a special time to highlight those things is so important. Yeah, that's pretty cool that we can take a month and say, hey, I mean, we know that you're checking into it all year, all the time, but here's a month. Let's just, let's maybe deep dive and find some really interesting stories and uh, read them, tell them, share them. Very cool. Yeah. Um, I have a list of books that I think are worth reading. Uh, They talk about great women in history and I picked not recent history because okay. we have lots of information about women in recent history who may not have gotten the recognition they deserved at the time, but we have documents, firsthand accounts, personal letters from those women, but we're taking it back to 60 AD. Oh, wow. Yeah. Going back a spell. A little bit. So uh, the only book I could find, the only books I could find in the collection about Queen... Um, Some people say it Bodacia, some people say it Boudicca, but she was a queen of an an Angle tribe in England in 60 AD. So the Romans invade England, and this one tribe is like, heck no, you're not taking our land, and the king, I cannot pronounce his name, it starts with a P, and I didn't write it down because this is Women's History Month. Yeah, we don't care about him, King P. He got captured along with some other members of her family, taken as slaves by the Romans, and Queen Boudicca 
was like, no, thank you, please. She leads a revolt, unites several tribes against the Romans, wins all these battles, fights with her soldiers, and is, like is taught in English classrooms now about like her contribution to the fight against the Roman invasion. So I just think she's so cool. So you can find books about her in the juvenile nonfiction section. I wasn't able to find anything on her in the adult nonfiction section, but the book I found was 10 Queens Portraits of Women of Power by Milton Meltzer. And she has a highlight in that book. Okay. So I just think she's so cool. You probably need to do a movie about her. I hope so. A good one. Not a cheesy one. Eh. <laughs> any, any movie at all? Any movie. The next book I have is called Mad and Bad, The Real Heroines of the Regency by B. B. Coach. So when we think about Regency England, you think Bridgerton and bodice-ripping romance novels, ladies of the ton, high society, you know, white Christians, basically, is what you think about when you think about Regency England. But England was extremely diverse, even in that era. And so B. Coach has written this book taking a deep dive into the lives of women that people don't automatically think about. Women who discovered comets, who wrote the first English-language kosher cookbook, women that didn't fit the upper crust of the ton stereotype that we think about that made strides in workers' rights, tenant rights, all led by women. So this book is about actual real-life women that lived during the Regency era of England that didn't wear fancy dresses and go to balls and worry about their suitors. It was a good read. I've seen it come through. It looks interesting. Yeah. I think it's sitting out there right now. I hope it doesn't stay there for long. The last one I have is Anne Boleyn, 50 Years of Lies by Haley Nolan. This one was fascinating. So Anne Boleyn has been sold to us as this dark figure, a scheming seductress who bewitched Henry VIII into divorcing his queen and his church in an unprecedented display of passion. It's quite the tragic love story, right? Wrong. (laughs) (laughs) So you leave all the notions of outdated and romanticized folklore at the door and forget what you think you know about one of the Tudor's most notorious queens. She may have been silenced for centuries, but this book ensures Anne Boleyn's voice is being heard now. So I think it's, it's like draws on primary sources to kind of prove that the narrative that we have about Anne Boleyn has been false all along. Those are three books I think are worth checking out for Women's History Month. Okay. You know, I'm going to talk about some movies here. These are movies where the action is accelerated by female characters. They're not necessarily chick flicks. Do, do people still say that? Sometimes. I think it's okay to say that. Is that okay to say that? I think that? so. Okay. I don't, you know, these would not probably, some of them might be considered chick flicks. I, I don't know. I don't know what that is because there's a lot of movies that, I like, and they're like, oh, you like that? It's a chick flick. I'm like, what's wrong with you? You don't like it. But well, no. our audience might not know your fondness for Kate Hudson, Matthew McConaughey rom coms. Oh, my goodness. Those are some of the best. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. <laughs> are we now a Matthew McConaughey fan podcast? <laughs> we, well, we might as well be. I don't know why not. Uh, so the first one would never be considered a chick flick, but aliens. And I'm not talking about Alien, but in Aliens, the character of Ellen Ripley, after surviving the first movie, is found in a like a the space pod that she escaped in 57 years later. And the first thing that she has to deal with is finding out that her young daughter 
has passed away at age 67. And there's just that moment. I would never be a mother. I'm, I'm a dude. I can never be a mother. There's just in the look on her face, she conveys so much that so much of her life has been lost in just finding this out that it's really an emotional moment. And then she gets whisked away to this colony that has been overrun by the aliens that she dealt with in the first movie. And they take over. It's one of the greatest monster movies ever made. But then she finds a young girl that has survived, and then her motherly instincts kick in. And it means so much more because we had that scene earlier where she found out about her daughter. Uh, Sigourney Weaver really sold that. It was an amazing performance. I believe she might have been nominated for an Academy Award, or they talked about it. I'm not. I'm not sure. I didn't look that up. But uh, it was such a huge performance that she never again played a woman in peril role. She was always more of a woman in control. And it was it was because of that that one performance uh, in Aliens as opposed to Alien, where she was kind of like the secondary character that that survived. But Aliens is in the system as if you need a, an excuse to watch it or watch it again. It's a great movie, but it's 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 definitely one of the one of the classics. Yeah, it's a good one. Uh, Terminator, same reason. We have a story about a woman who is going to give birth to the future rebel that will lead an army against the machines after they've taken over. The machines have sent back a robot killer. And this is the story about she's she's like a waitress at a Bob's Big Boy turned warrior. And it's all, you know, she her character goes through so much in the first movie just to to accept the fact that her baby's going to be this great leader. And he's only that great leader because of her. And she doesn't feel like her life is put together to, to do any of that. I know a lot of people kind of say that T2 was the movie that she became that warrior. And that's a great movie. And a lot of people consider that better than the first movie. I like the first movie better because it was a smaller movie and it just seemed more intimate, her character and what she goes through. What I didn't like about T2, she she almost looked like Arnold Schwarzenegger. You know, she was almost as pumped up and as big. But, of course, that was the arc of her character. Yeah, I was just thinking about her shoulder muscles. Oh, yeah. I will, yeah. I've never had shoulder muscles like no. that. But Epic. <laughs> I like that she found the strength without those shoulder muscles in the first movie to, to kind of do what she did and, and then take her character in that direction. Uh, book Smart. This is one of the all-time. Now, this might be kind of, this is less a chick flick and more of a teen movie, a coming-of-age where we have two high school overachievers, Amy and Molly, and they realize the night before graduation that they never slowed down to party. Nobody knows who they are. They've got this one night, and they cram four years of high school partying and rambunctious <laughs> uh, hijinks into, like, <laughs> Six hours. I mean, it. I mean, authorities are involved. There's jail. There's bail. You know, <laughs> these two girls party like no one's ever partied before. There's an amazing dance scene. <laughs> There's an amazing everything. That's true. I love these two characters. Like I watch this movie, and I'm just overwhelmed with the feeling. This movie, it just makes you. Remember what a joy it is to go through this journey of life with a friend, with a bestie. Yeah. And I just love these two girls. Uh, the actresses were Caitlin 
Deaver and Beanie Feldstein. I watched that movie and I just want to be their friend. Yeah. I just want to hang out with them. <laughs> Bridesmaids is another great movie. Uh, this was sort of like the female bachelor party. You know, it's the other side, what the gals are doing. It's uh, it's about female friendship. And I think the the perceived losing a friend when that friend is about to get married and the pressures that maybe we put on ourselves when we don't think we're where we're at, where we're supposed to be at in our life. Yeah. And uh, it's just a very insightful Kristen Wiig is totally vulnerable here. Her character is such a dang mess, but like, there's no way you wouldn't recognize yourself. Right. Like you want to say, well, that reminds me of my friend so-and-so, but it's, it's going to remind you of you. Um, which I love. And then the last movie that I'll mention, Mad Max Fury Road. <laughs> Mad Max Fury Road was the last Mad Max movie, and it, uh, it had a character, Furiosa, that was played by Charlize Theron. And she was this post-apocalyptic uh, warrior woman who is trying to free these women that are being held captive by this insane wasteland king. And he is of the opinion that they belong to him. And Furiosa is of the opinion that women aren't things and they belong to no one. And she, she certainly delivers that statement throughout the movie. And she's a character that goes through a lot, but even at her weakest moment, she can still find the strength to go further. She realizes that her journey, like there's so many other people dependent on her being able to do what she needs to do. And she finds the strength. And we're not talking about Max. Max is there. Max is sort of out of it. Like, I'm not really sure where this movie falls in the line of movies because it's part of the Mad Max uh, movies that Mel Gibson played Max. And this one had a different character uh, or a different actor playing him. But he's he's in the movie, but he's really, you know, it's really Furiosa's movie. And uh, I thought that was really interesting that a big major $200 million studio film would do that. And the other thing that this movie does that no other, any movie from Hollywood hardly ever does, that the, there is no romance, there's no romantic interest between the two characters in anything else. These two would fall in love while they're going through this crazy you know, yeah. wasteland chase. It's not about that. Like these characters are not, are not looking for love. Uh, they're looking for bigger things like redemption, freedom. It's a great movie. It, it'll knock you off the sofa if you're not careful. So those are five movies I would definitely recommend, different kind of movies, uh, all available through the uh, library system. Have you seen Moana? No. No? There's a scene... I mean, it's been out, so if I spoil it for you, I'm very sorry. But spoiler alert, Moana, there's a scene where, like, they're insane coconut-looking pirates on the water. They have their ships, and it's very Mad Max-esque. Okay. Where they've got, like, the guy in the front banging on drums, and, like, they're flanking each other. And right. And there's just, like, guys hanging off everywhere. And it's clearly a throwback to Mad Max. And I was just so tickled by that scene in that movie <laughs> with, like, these insane coconut pirates, like... I might have to check that out. <laughs> it was, I think I, th I think you'd like the movie, but that scene was just super. It was fun, and it just like I said, it tickled me that it was such a throwback. 
In addition, I guess you know what this week is. I think it's this week. Yeah, um, it was declared a pandemic on March 11th of 2020. Wow. So, and then on the 14th, the library closed. Right. And we all went home. Do you remember that? How strange that day was? Yes. And everyone kept saying, Rob, what do you think? What do you think? Like, I'm some authority. Probably because I'm always in a bad mood and they're like, oh, he, he, he knows what to think. <laughs> Sorry to throw back to the movie Waiting again, but you're like the sage old dishwasher. <laughs> I am. Um, and I think I told everybody, like. I don't like, know anything. Within two weeks, this is all going to blow over. Uh, or this, this isn't anything. And I think I just wanted to believe that, even though it, I felt like, oh, man, this is this is pretty serious. That was, like, kind of spooky. It was, like, uh, oh, n- nothing that I've ever experienced before. Right. But I, I think I did try to tell myself there wasn't anything to it. It's not going to be a big deal. Well, that's our coping mechanism, right? Yeah. Just kind of, you know, oh, it's fine. It'll be fine. It wasn't. No. No, it was weird. Did you have any problems with uh, your son? So I didn't have any kids to worry about. Those first few weeks were really, really difficult for him. Yeah. And they were very difficult for his friends, too, of course. Like, they went from being around people, having activities, you know, hanging out with friends at school, hanging out with friends at extracurriculars. Like we were in the middle, we were in dress rehearsals for his school musical that week. Oh, that's right. So it was like, we were always at the school. We were always around people. And then suddenly it was nothing. And he missed his friend so much. And he was so sad that they didn't get to do the musical. And it was very difficult on him. Um, And that was the hardest part for me. Like I can sit home from work. That's not an issue. But for him, I guess, you know, like he's never, he doesn't remember when he was little and he didn't go to preschool or, or anything. I mean, I remember, you know, hanging out with him all day, every day when he was young, but he doesn't really remember that and doesn't remember what it's like to not be around people your age all the time. Right. And I think that was the hard, that was just so hard. He was away from his peers and away from his friends. He was really looking forward to going back to school, wasn't he? Yes. To actually be with his Yes. His pals. Yes. Yeah. I can see that. I wasn't as excited coming back to see you guys, but. I mean, you know, we could talk about work family all you want, but it's not the same. No. No offense. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I'm, I'm kidding. No, we it came. Was, it was weird. It was weird. And we came back from the library in early May mm-hmm. to start doing curbside for our patrons. So that was the the big response from the library. We knew we had to be able to provide things for people, whether it was for school purposes or just like, what else are you going to do? Cause nothing's open purposes. The right. library had to get going again. Uh, we consider ourselves essential services. I don't guess the state's um, government so consider Not us so essential much. services, but we, we consider ourselves essential services. So we started doing curbside for people so they could put stuff on hold or just come get grab bags if they didn't really know what they wanted, but they wanted something. There were days when we moved almost 3,000 oh, items. Oh, the support of the community was amazing. Yes. Oh, my gosh. They were lined up, and some people. The phone never stopped ringing. Some people put balloons on their cars and said, we missed you. Yep. I mean, I'm assuming they meant us, but they did drive all over Madison with that on their car. So whatever. 
Um, it was really weird, and it was coming back, and we had to just make it all up. Yeah. Like nobody knew what to do because there hadn't been a pandemic that closed us down for six weeks before. Right. Yeah. We we had to reinvent everything we did inside the building. We flipped the building actually. Like <laughs> workstations became the front of the building. Yep. Or the 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 auditoriums are workstations now. Our lunchroom is half of an auditorium now. We don't hardly ever go into the break room like. We used to. No. can you, I can't even imagine sitting at that little four-person table with other people and eating without a mask. Like, I just can't. That, I can't yeah, that. it's weird. And not too long ago, I, I believe I was on the phone with a friend when I was coming into work, and I just totally forgot to put my mask on, and everybody looked at me like I had a bomb taped to my chest. Well. Well, yeah, no, I get it. <laughs> And then I, I freaked out, and I ran out to my car as fast as I could. I've come in a couple of days like, masks are still a thing. Oh, my God. Why do you not have it on? What is wrong with you? And like, you I had to go back, out, go back out to my car and get my mask. But I'm happy. I'm, I'm more than happy to wear it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But, yeah, and we have continued to figure this out as we go. We're not open 100% yet, but. We're trying. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're trying to do a little bit more. As so time passes. We started curbside. We started Hoopla, which is amazing. Because everybody can read the same book at the same time with no waiting. Right. Movies, more movies. Than comics. Comics. I've read a bunch of graphics through Hoopla. I have too. I've got like two of them going on now. Yeah. So that's been awesome. Yeah, we got Hoopla. We started digital programming. We had all kinds of informational blogs going on. We've got virtual story times. We have all kinds of videos talking about books and of course we started our podcast right oh yeah so we're trying to reach people where they are and they can't be here yeah but you know we're still here there's still a lot of life in the library with all those services and we're going to continue to try to find more avenues to involve people and yeah it's really it's it's been weird it's been strange but it's actually been pretty nice to to come back figure it out, mm-hmm. and still be able to offer something to the community. And the community's been awesome. Yeah. And talk about a team-building exercise. Like when you talk about oh, like workforce team-building, like there's nothing more team-building than reevaluating the way you do everything in your workplace. Oh, yeah. And, and building it, it from scratch. It was all of us just standing around looking at each other trying to figure it out. Like, how are we going to do this? <laughs> You, you know, like this is like nothing we've ever done. Like, Rob, yeah. we need to set the room up for you need to find another place to put the holds. Well, what does that look like? What are we what are we talking about? Yeah. You know, Rob, you and Lucretia figure out a way to, to set up the cleaning room. Well, what does the cleaning room look like? Like, what's its function? Yeah. <laughs> it was so crazy. Yeah. But we did it. What's your job title, right? Logistics? Logistics, yeah. Well, I'm a logistical type of guy, but <laughs> we... Uh, it's unprecedented logistics. <laughs> we've met every challenge, and that's been the exciting part of this. Yeah. Is that there's not been a challenge that we haven't been able to meet yet. That's true. So, but yeah, a year later. And it doesn't seem like a year. No. It seems like 10 years. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it just, really, really does. I just want to go out and eat a hamburger again and not worry about anything. <laughs> so anyway, a year later, and um, we'll just keep doing what we're doing. Yeah. I guess we're coming out on the other end. We're not out yet. 
No, but there's um, light at there the end of the tunnel. There is light at the end of the tunnel, yeah. so let's stay the course for a little while longer. We can do this. And, you know, thanks to the community for being so supportive of its library. And thanks to our coworkers for being supportive of us while we sit in here and talk at a microphone while they're out there doing the hard work. And, you know, thanks to the library for putting all the things in place to keep us as healthy as possible. Yes. A lot of effort, a lot of people, Maine. Yeah. And so now next time we will be talking about our book club pick for March. Right. The Long Way to a Small Angry Planet by Becky Chambers. It's a sci-fi pick this time. You can find it on Hoopla. And I believe this was recommended to us by... By a coworker, our coworker, Nora. Nora, yes. So uh, I did start it, and it's uh, starting off... uh, It's promising. That's good. So, you know... It's supposed to be humorous. I I get that. Okay, I get that. The way way that the character is being introduced to the crew that she's now working for. Okay. It's... uh, it's like maybe if Alien was a comedy. Nice. <laughs> then that would be Spaceballs, but... <laughs> <laughs> Hello, my baby. <laughs> All right, you guys. You know what we tell you. No matter what they say, no matter what they try to tell you, don't, don't trust, trust robots. robots. Bye. Bye. The views expressed by the hosts are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the Huntsville-Madison County Library System. For more information on the Huntsville-Madison County Public Library, visit us online at hmcpl.org. If you'd like to learn more about some of the topics discussed today, visit your local library, which is us. No representation is made that your librarian is more knowledgeable than other librarians or that they have any expertise on your particular project. This is the true story of two librarians picked to sit in a glass box, work together, and have their discussions taped. Find out what happens when librarians stop being polite and start getting real. <laughs> I can't even say it without laughing. Keep going. Keep going. <laughs> That's all I got. <laughs> I feel like maybe I've heard that before.